you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You had to act <laughs> by the sink a lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right. Doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Disciplining you <laughs> in some way. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The Around the NFL podcast. Greg can't wait to wrap in Atlanta. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined in a stadium filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. We are on the concourse, section 119, to be exact, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia, the site of Super Bowl 53, and another conquest for the New England Patriots, who playing essentially what was, Greg, a home football game. You Maybe we're talking 40,000 Patriots fans in this building, maybe more, maybe 50,000, cheering hard for a team that didn't put up a lot of points but their defense hardly gave up any. A 13-3 to win for the Pats, title number six. And I can feel the electricity coming off you, Greg. Well, Another victory for the house. Body. The house we, wins again. We got to we gotta fake some energy here. We got to get up after a, a long, long week. And I know uh, this isn't going to be one of your favorite podcasts, Dan, but it was kind of an old school game and an old school night. It reminded me of New Orleans when a lot of people were behind the Patriots, not necessarily in that crowd, but around the country, that it did feel like a Patriots home game. And it almost made it too easy to write after the game that it was come full circle. It was teammates picking up Tom Brady, who didn't play particularly well. I think he had one of his worst games in in what was probably his toughest season in a long time. It was a defense, and the linebackers especially, getting after the opposition. It was a veteran secondary that let them be creative up front. It was their best cornerback, Stephon Gilmore, having a great game like Ty Law did back in the day. And it's special teams and defense, and you can almost... Imagine Bill Belichick likes this, you know, like that he likes showing that you can win games these types of ways, that it all came back to how it started for this dynasty, which was defense. 
You heard uh, Greg's big takeaway right there. So let's go around the rest of uh, the concourse filled with heroes. Wes, what's your big takeaway from Super Bowl 53? During the week on Twitter, there was a lot of discussion about whether it was ridiculous to suggest that Julian Edelman is starting to build a Hall of Fame case. Mm. And I think it's no longer ridiculous to talk about it. I think you have to talk about it that the way Julian Edelman has played, especially in the postseason, he's now behind only Jerry Rice in receptions and yards in the postseason. The way he played there, this three-game stretch where it's almost like a Larry Fitzgerald level of play that he's had in the postseason, you have to talk about him as a guy who has a chance. There was, during this pl- playoff run and into tonight, his, his numbers speak for themselves, 10 for 141 on 12 targets, uh, time after time, big plays that moved the chains and kept Patriots drives alive on a day where their offense wasn't very good overall. And if you put, watch him, if you keep your eyes on him, uh, when the ball snap, he gets instant separation right off the line. It's uncanny. I joked about it on the Thursday show, Mark, that he's Jerry Rice from the Reese brought up Rice. He's Jerry Rice for the first five weeks of the calendar season, but he could not be covered at one point early in this game. Uh, I believe he had seven catches uh, midway or early in the second quarter. And they just they had to change their defense. The Rams said, we cannot cover Julian Edelman one-on-one. This is a 32, 33-year-old uh, wide receiver coming off knee surgery a couple of years ago. Yeah, I don't think Marcus Peters is a perfect person to be on Julian Edelman. And Julian Edelman, you know, the route running, the way that he created extra yardage after making, you know, they, they seem to run the same play to Edelman and Gronk over and over, like the old version of Techmobile with just four plays. <laughs> but it worked because he was able to, you know, dart around defenders and get those extra first down catches. My takeaway, though, is that we spent so much time really bathing in this matchup between Bill Belichick and Sean, Sean McVay. Sean McVay is a great coach, and he's going to be back here. I'm sure he will be with his team. But he comes away out of this game with a lot to reflect on and learn because the three-game stretch by Newland's coaching staff is, I think for me, the best three-game playoff coaching stretch that I've seen by any team. It, it starts for me with Brian Flores, who, you know, I was listening to the CBS broadcast on one of those little ear things that you can switch between that and a Spanish broadcast. Humble and, brag. Well, I mean, I don't know any Spanish. <laughs> Where do you get this equipment? I mean, oh, you, it, are you a millionaire now? It was in now? front of every desk. Every, I should have maybe done it. How, every, was, how was Tony? No, I did the whole thing. I Roma was great, but I think... Oh, you Ro- did? Yeah. Roma would have, Roma would have had the game been a little juicier, had the chance to have a little more of a juicier performance. He did a nice diet they did, in a they tough game. They barely mentioned fun. Brian Flores mm. deep into this game, who now goes to the Miami Dolphins. And I think finally we might have someone pulled out of the Patriots system. We'll find out. We'll see. We'll see. But you know what? <laughs> he was phenomenal over this these, this three-week stretch. And what they what they were able to do against the Rams, who you start to say people are starting to break down looking back at the film, they stayed in one eleven personnel. The Rams, they did not move out of it. They did not adjust. It was the Patriots that were able to make adjustments, and the Rams never did. Sean McVay killed himself after the game for his own play calling. What a difference a year makes, too, because obviously if you work on Bill Belichick's staff, it is a it is a gateway to get head coaching jobs. And we were at this game last year uh, when Matt Patricia's defense gets carved up for over 500 yards, and he gets introduced as the Lions coach uh, like three days later. And it was a little bit awkward because it was like <laughs> – you're supposed to be this defensive guru, and you just got shredded in the biggest game of your life. I imagine Lions fans were a little, you know, worried about that, and they're probably still worried about 
Matt Patricia. Now, the Dolphins fans, and Dolphins fans don't get a lot of nice things, but even Handsome Hank, our friend who's a, a Miami fan, has to be feeling great now. All of a sudden, you're like, whoa, we got the gifted defensive <laughs> mind of a generation. But that's what this game spawns, it, 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 a lot of optimism, I'm sure, uh, in Miami tonight after what we saw well, today. Their, their defensive personnel wasn't that much better this year than it was a year ago. And, and so you have to credit the coaching for being better. And I mean, they, they were better throughout the season on defense, and they were especially better the last five weeks. That was a difference. And speaking of, like, how different this year is, this is our one the one-year anniversary, uh, the Super Bowl was, of Josh McDaniels getting announced as a head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. And it's like you have these two old defensive minds. I know Flores did a great job, too. But ultimately, you have these two older defensive minds that have been in the league for 30 or 40 years, Bill Belichick and Wade Phillips, putting it on them youngins, McDaniels and Sean McVay, in in a year that all we did was talk about offense. My takeaway uh, is it's in the realm of Marks is that it was just a humbling night for Sean McVay and company. But their quarterback, it was a tough, tough game for Jared Goff. We're going to get into all that and, and the big plays in this game. But I just didn't think Goff, you know, I don't think he rose in the moment. And I know no. the offensive line did not have a good game, and that shouldn't be overlooked either. Los Angeles' O-line uh, allowed the quarterback to get hit and hit a lot, and the young quarterback, Jared Goff, uh, wilted, I think, in this game, uh, mm-hmm. in, including in, in the two biggest, uh, two of the biggest plays uh, of the game. Uh, he made fatal mistakes. Uh, so Jared Goff, I still, he is still obviously a guy that, Rams fans and Sean McVay should believe in, but this is the game that says, ooh, I'll remember him coming up small in this game. I mean, we talked at times where let's diagnose one weakness that the Patriots, you know, could be hurt by. And it, it, for, at times it was their lack of pass rush. Yep. Tonight they were so disruptive. And again, you were playing essentially at Gillette Stadium. Tom Brady said that right after the game. So for the second game in a row, Jared Goff and the Rams were dealing with insane noise and a lopsided crowd. But they got to him. They rushed. They blitzed on like half their snaps on defense. They went after. Did him. that annoy you, Dan? You you started the show with that, and I, I should have. The, the the Patriots crowd was that in your? Uh... Uh, have it? No, not at all. In fact, this is the least annoying Patriots Super Bowl I've ever been a part of, just because there wasn't a lot of like juice in the sense of there was no epic comeback. There was no uh, snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. It was just. A Patriots team that kind of outlasted an opponent that just wasn't ready for this game and wasn't able to get the job done. It wasn't like a heartbreaking right. win for the Patriots from a Patriots yeah, hater. I didn't standpoint. know if the, if the fans because it was an advantage and and the, the it was legit. But what I was what I meant to say was that we were here all week and this place, this whole city, Atlanta, was teeming. It was lousy with Patriots fans. And then I think an Uber driver said to me yesterday, oh, all the Rams fans are getting in today. And I was like, I don't think so. Bro. <laughs> and they never did show up. <laughs> the, the telling moment for me was uh, I was walking around the convention center outside the stadium before the game. And they had dozens and dozens of people that worked either for the league or for the Rams trying to hand out these yellow rally towels for free, trying to give out five at a time i see when our producer jason kleinman oh i, I got one, some i brought uh, some, sad rams some home fan. for my daughter that and they couldn't give them away because there weren't <laughs> enough rams fans in this building so the fan base maybe wasn't ready for the super bowl yet either you're right and and you're right about golf and yet it's it is such a team game it's like did he play that much worse than tom brady 
It's like for, if, you, if you look at the PFF score, Brady even had a worse game. I don't know. I would well, one guy. I wouldn't a big drive in the fourth quarter. Absolutely. And one guy came up and I wouldn't go that far, but I think Brady was lifted by his teammates and his coaches certainly more more than Goff. And in a in a game where the Patriots defense and running game didn't show up as much. You, you know, yeah, I mean, it was it, a total it, failure for the Rams because you opened the game with eight straight punts and not really any of those drives set any sort of promise that they were going to get right. into flow on offense. Let's Patriots get into the had game. almost twice as many yards as the Rams. I mean, this Brady had a better game than golf. Let's get into this game, uh, kind of going through some of the big plays and we could uh, stop down and talk about whenever we want, uh, because this game starts with the Rams winning the toss. Heads doesn't always work, Greg. Just when it when it matters the most I mean, in overtime. As far as I'm concerned, it worked. Yeah, well, that's fair. Uh, the Rams uh, win the kickoff. They defer. The Patriots use the running game and start moving right down the field. They're matriculating, as they say. Tom Brady drops back for his first pass of the game, and this happens. Shotgun snap back to Brady, looking right all the way. He gets rid of it quickly. It's tipped up in the air. It is intercepted. Picked off at the 27-yard line. Corey Littleton. With a takeaway on the game's first possession. That's our buddy, J.B. Long, your neighbor there, Wes, of uh, Rams Radio. Uh, It was a poor pass targeted at Chris Hogan, who just cannot catch a ball, thrown to him (laughs) by Tom Brady, which is maybe a bit of an indictment. This was Chris Hogan's last game as a Patriot, let's be real. It would have to be. So an inauspicious start for Brady and the Pats, but it didn't matter because, like you said, Mark, uh, after that, the Rams are in a total shell. In fact, these are the. This is the first half for the Rams on offense. Three plays, punt. Five plays, punt. Three plays, punt. Five plays, pump, punt. Three plays, punt. Three plays, punt. Half. So while the Patriots are trying to figure their stuff out, the Rams weren't even showing a pulse, Wes. The Rams. This is why I, I you know, I kind of bristle with the notion that, that golf only barely outplayed Brady. Like, no, no, Brady outplayed it him. Was, I, I'm not trying Goff's to Golf's performance point. might be the worst Super Bowl performance I've ever seen by a quarterback. Ooh. He held the Did ball you see way... see Kerry Collins at Super Bowl 35? It's on the same level. Okay. He just held the ball so long, and and Brady was getting rid of the ball, at least, and I think that was the difference. But this Rams offense, we went in to do a Sky Sports hit, and Neil Reynolds must have asked me the same question four different times. What can the Rams do differently? Do they have to get creative? Do they have to come up with trick plays? What can they do differently? And nothing was working. In- including the running game, which they, they came out and they tried they tried to run. They couldn't. And I think as a Patriots fan, like what was so satisfying is everyone got in on the action. It, w- it was hard to even like pick one guy in the first half that's totally standing out. Kyle Van Noy had a ridiculous postseason. I would say he was their postseason defensive MVP. Trey Flowers would be close, but Van Noy and Gilmore, you know, were awesome in this game. But it was also wise in the first half making plays. It was our old friend Danny Shelton from the Browns. That that move finally paid it off with a couple of plays. And it was like, it, it didn't matter which one. It was like so, someone Genius. was winning each play. Todd Gurley. You know, we could put the, a bow on what was an incredibly mysterious and frustrating end of the season uh, for one of the league's best players. He's He was once again uh, in a report emerged by Ian Rappaport of NFL Network that it would be a timeshare on Sunday, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, he had uh, 10 touches on the ground uh, and one catch for a negative one yard through the air. He had 35 yards. He just wasn't the same guy, whatever it is, and... You kind of want to be surprised, Wes, if we if we hear more. Despite them saying uh, that his knee was healthy, 
he was never right in the playoffs. I fully expect to hear that there's more to it. And Really? We, yes, we, we've seen this guy play when he's healthy. He is a first-team All-Pro, Offensive Player of the Year, MVP candidate when he's healthy. And when he's whatever he is now, he's in a timeshare like, and can't do anything effectively. But like basketball players go in slumps. Or great baseball pitchers running have a, backs have a bad running backs, have a bad month. He he played two and a half times as many snaps as ZJ Anderson. So the reality is he played two thirds of this game, which is which is not a atypical. His confidence, for whatever reason, seemed to be a problem. They didn't seem to trust him in pass protection. And I don't know. I mean, he just wasn't a confident well, they showed player. CJ Anderson on the sideline talking to him to well, you, Todd Gurley all game. And confidence is an issue, but what would be the number one reason a running back would lack confidence? It's if you don't feel fully right. healthy. I mean, he doesn't. Yeah, I would think it has to be tied to an injury. If we're talking about he has some type of crisis in faith or a belief in himself out of nowhere, that would be totally bizarre and really, quite frankly, more troublesome than a, a lingering knee injury. Well, Anderson didn't do anything more in this game, and so which, Anderson, which was also no. a problem for them. And, and he's lucky he didn't lose a fumble as well. He fumbled, he didn't lose, and it rolled out of bounds, almost causing a huge uh, turnover. But Anderson didn't do anything in the NFC title game either, so the, the bloom was a little bit off the C.J. Anderson rose. And with that gone, and Todd Gurley still not playing at a high level, the Rams were exposed a little bit on offense, and it put more on Goff, and that was not a good thing uh, considering how poorly the quarterback played today. They were they were never the same after the you know the game that revolutionized football or you know changed football forever fifty four fifty one they they were never the same from that point forward they took a week off they came back and they were a, a below average passing game for how many weeks was that seven now eight yes that's a pretty long time they were pretty they were a good running team for for a chunk of that but they were a below average passing team so the Patriots Greg have the ball. Constantly, as a result of the the drive charts that I just laid out earlier, the Patriots have the ball uh, an exceeding amount of time. But uh, uh, Gostkowski misses his first field goal attempt badly. Yeah. Uh, he eventually does hit a field goal uh, to give them three points. But why weren't the Patriots able to do more? Well, it was a number of things. And it was, Wes mentioned to me, it was as stressed and freaked out he's ever seen me i think was that what you were going to say wes it in, was the p scale was at 9.5 <laughs> and and this is noteworthy because every time you're asked you say it's at one right but, well, this but we never so believe him when he says well here's the thing it's always at one before the game starts when the game starts then it starts uh, going up and wasn't down. even the most not just in football it was the most stressed and nervous i've ever seen you in life it just seemed like they were so much they were better <laughs> wow well i'll take that as a compliment uh Wow. It just seemed like they were so much better and they were blowing so many opportunities through some unforced errors and just struggles. Like, they def- I just couldn't imagine the defensive performance that they had would last all game. And that fact that they just have five drives in the first half that reached at least the 40 yard line of the Rams and they scored three points. I mean, well, that's yeah. unbelievable. And that's so unpatriot like. And a lot of it was Tom Brady not feeling very comfortable and throwing ground balls and throwing screen passes before it's time and him just not feeling like it's, you know, it didn't feel like it was his night for a while. I mean, in the sense here, it, it felt to me unsuperable, like for large periods of time, because these are, in theory, the two best teams in the NFL, unable to finish drives. And I kept thinking around sort of late third quarter when it was just this low scoring deadlocked affair that whoever loses 
This is a torture film to have to watch and go back and look at what went wrong for whoever couldn't finish this game. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hey, guys. Do you know that guys are terrible at taking care of their health? Whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Right, Mark? Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for ED online. Roman is a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose ED and ship medication right to your door. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms, awkward face-to-face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You can handle everything online. All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com around. Fill out a brief medical onboarding, chat with a doctor, and get FDA-approved ED meds delivered to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. Erectile dysfunction is a problem that most guys don't tackle, but with Roman, it's easy to take care of. For a free online visit, go to GetRoman.com slash around. That's GetRoman.com slash around for a free online visit. GetRoman.com slash around. Let's get back to the killer game. Let's now talk about the fourth and one play for the Patriots. It was 113 to play in the second quarter. Like Greg was saying, they were able to get the ball past the 50, and then something was happening between like the 40 and 30-yard line. In this case, they had fourth and a long one from the 32 and they had been running the ball success all through the playoffs, but the Patriots go with an empty backfield, Brady and shotgun formation, and here's how it played out. The fourth and one. Empty. Fourth wow. and one, and the pass are going to go empty. Quarterback extending the hands and taking the snap. Backs up, looks to throw, fires down the middle. No. Fourth block, incomplete. Tom no. Brady threw that ball into traffic. Not a chance. Turnover on downs with 113 to go. Just stall city right now on offense. Now the Rams. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. With the backs that we have and our emphasis to run the football with Devlin yeah. and all that, you can't pick up fourth and one? we got to go empty on fourth and one again. Well, the Rams have. <laughs> yeah. Zolak well exasperated. Said. I mean, I was I was feeling the same way. because and Zolak are the same guy. Let's just face it. No. <laughs> I saw him earlier today. You know, glad-handing and enjoying the the devotion that Patriots fans give him. And he he is about three times as large as I am. I would say more than three times. That's that's not being generous. It it was driving me crazy. And that play was kind of typical. Brady not comfortable enough to hold the ball a little longer to maybe try to find a different open receiver and throwing into traffic. There was a there was a third down where he just he had white wide open and he made white kind of dive for it. And that like missed target was the reason that play didn't work. And there was a number of plays uh, just like that in the first half. And what in Wade Phelps deserves a lot of credit for it, too, though, like the interception was a play that he was just fooled. They were playing zone defense and they were rotating after the snap. And I can think of multiple plays, including one to Hogan, where Brady thought he had a guy wide open and he was shocked that there was a Rams cornerback there. So we go into the half 3 nothing um, in favor of the Patriots. And I'll tell you this, I went for a walk in the concourse. And again, you, it cannot be understated how pro-Patriots this building was uh, to the point where in the pregame stretches and things of that nature, when the Rams are coming out, the place just was – the booing was relentless – and anytime Brady came up on the on – the, and this is an amazing stadium, by the way. This stadium makes me want to pick it outside MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. <laughs> you and brought say, that up like five times. Take the really? L. Take the L, Jets and Giants. Get out the wrecking ball and try again. 
I know your facility is less than 10 stadium. years old. Build this exact thing because I think not only should the Jets and Giants tear down that dump that they got, yeah. I think a lot of teams should come here and look at what this place looks like from the design of it, the uniqueness of it, the Megatron's butthole, and also the video screen, which is state-of-the-art and the best possible. Megatron's butthole is the roof that opens up. And in an act, a showy act that I really enjoyed, they opened it just so the fighter jets could go over it after Gladys Knight uh, did her opening. And then they shut the the butthole up. Yeah. And they said, let's get to football. The butthole closed. I mean, one thing I'd say, when the Patriots go back to the Super Bowl next year, can we can we cease with this narrative that Patriots fans have been to too many of these and no one's going to show up? This is essentially if you live in New England or you're a Patriot, you build this into the family budget at this point. Right. We are all going to be going to the Super Bowl, four or five of us. Save your pennies in the summer and, you know, and late you know what we are. We being the media, being everyone that doesn't root for the Patriots, Journos. the opponents, uh, fans that come, the opponents themselves. It's like Truman Show. We're all here to serve as entertainment <laughs> And fodder, cannon fodder for this like 40,000 people in one corner of the country. And then Ricky Hollywood and Greg Greg Rosenthal and Scott Zolak. And in this case, about 65,000. That's that's what this has become. It was a different story uh, 12 months ago on this. The biggest sporting event in the world. They were outnumbered on Super Bowl Sunday. It's all about entertainment for a tiny portion of this country. And it's fine. That's not my point. My point is <laughs> at halftime, I walked the concourse and speaking of butts, people were walking a little tight butted. Uh, the Patriots ends. There wasn't a lot of whooping and hollering and hooting and hollering that you heard before the game when this felt like it was a coronation to a lot of people who got their road trip on to beat up on the Rams. There was a nervous what? energy in this building at halftime when it was three nothing because it was a weird half of football. Yes. and It did feel like it could go either way. I don't think a lot of people that came to this game from your little area of the country, Greg, thought this was going to be a game. I think they came here to celebrate. Really? I mean, I don't know. That seems crazy to me because going into the game, you know, these are two. It's a, it's a coin flip game. But you're right. At that point, I was feeling the same way that you're right. A lot of people walking around were feeling, which was not good about the situation. It was just it's just uncomfortable to see Tom Brady playing that poorly in a game where you have so many missed chances. But the thing that made me feel better, because you, you mentioned the stadium, was all the delicious food options everywhere around the stadium. I mean, if you have a Whoa. a great restaurant in Atlanta, there's a version of it in this stadium. So I just wanted to back up what you were saying. This it's is the best stadium. Perfect going. stadium. When uh, you got two it. urban licks, you got the you know you got the barbecue places, you got it all. When halftime hit, I thought of the two teams who combined for over 100 points in that shootout. The Chiefs and Rams, two of the best offenses of the season, combined for zero points in the first half the last two games against the Patriots, who allowed seven points in the first half of three playoff games. The last team to do that was the wow. 85 Bears. Against three, statistically, of the best five offenses in football. I mean, it's it's really insane because who's the Patriots' best defensive players? It's what, Flowers and, Stephon and Gilmore. Gilmore. But these aren't guys That's what that, I'm saying. Mention Brian Flores more yeah. than twice during the broadcast, That's possibly. Fair. Just That's you fair. know, That's fair. So we go to the second half, and it's more of the same. Punts on both sides. The Patriots uh, and Rams um, trading punts. And then on the third possession of the third quarter, the Rams finally get to work. It's a 10-play drive. Uh, it ends with a 53-yard Greg the Leg uh, Zerline field goal. Uh, but 
the play that will be remembered in a play, Jason Kleiman, our, our producer for Twitter, uh, who's sitting uh, behind Ricky Hollywood right now, right now will remember forever, is Jared Goff and those late eyes over the middle with Ooh. Brandon Cooks all alone in the back of the end zone. Let's listen to that call. First and 10 from the 29. They want to throw. Goff well protected. He climbs. He throws. End zone all alone. Back of the end zone incomplete to Brandon Cooks. He was underneath the goalpost, and when Goff let it go, there wasn't a Patriot within 10 yards. Jason McCourty closed quickly. That should have been six. Disastrous. And if you watch, like I was saying, in this in this facility, they have in the round video board that not only is it do, they do a great job of stats, they have uh, instant replays uh, on a high-definition screen. And you looked up at it, and you could actually see Goff's eyes scanning left, and then it, he's there just a hair too long, finally sees Cooks, and then I don't even think he put a good ball on him, Wes. Uh, the ball uh, mm. ducked. It was a little bit of a duck and allowed uh, McCourty to catch up and knock it away. It was it was a game-changing play. I, w- I wonder if the Rams win the game if that if Goff sees him a split second earlier. I mean, that was a coverage bust. He was wide open, and I think the whole stadium saw it before the quarterback did. He, he was slow all game, but Jason McCourty deserves a ton of credit. He made a few game-changing plays. That is another trade that they made in the offseason that had huge dividends, basically gave up nothing for a guy who's played quality snaps all year, and he played his best game in the Super Bowl. He broke up three deep passes, and him talking after the game uh, about the experience with him and his twin brother. It's just like, you know, you can only imagine what that must feel like to be on the field with your twin brother that you had never played with before, you know, in, in the pros, and to come up that big on that stage is just like and it, an unbelievable And it's possible that it could be the final game for both of them. I mean, that's there's whispers about that. The way, that was one example of a play where you, on television it looked great, but to be here and watch that closing speed before breaking up that pass from where we were sitting, that's the, that's the benefit of being here live because it was just it was an incredibly athletic play. And how play. painful it was for Rams fans and me and a lot of people rooting against the Patriots to see that ball just hanging in the air. It was it reminded me of post-shoulder surgery, Chad Pennington. <laughs> you know, it, it reminded me of late period, Boomer Esiason. It just would not, if he could have put the ball with some zip on it, Maybe could have snuck it in there. And uh, Jason McCourty was playing and on the uh, telecast. Tony Romo made the point that Patrick Chung, who had gone out with a broken arm uh, earlier in the quarter. Uh, and I saw him, by the way, in the locker room with the sling off. Oh, I saw him running around the field. Right. Yeah. They took the sling off in the locker room after the game. And they had he was walking and they were walking so slow. And you could see the pain in his face being led to the trainer's room for whatever comes next as he begins what will probably be a long rehab. Uh, but Romo said that McCordy was in a different position than Chung would have been um, for whatever reason. And that is a play that will haunt the Rams. And then to top it off, Goff then takes a nine-yard sack. And oh, this he, is, he took some terrible sacks I in mean, this game. Again, Goff just played terribly in this game, and, and Greg like bailed them out to get the tie, uh, but that was a missed opportunity ultimately. And that, yeah, that, that broken arm, it's like the Patriots have done this so many times. There's echoes of a lot of moments, but that was so reminiscent of Rodney Harrison breaking his arm on the last drive of the Panthers' Super Bowl, but being there in his uniform throughout the second half. Uh, to watch his teammates. The Patriots have been to the Super Bowl so many times that literally everything has already happened. <laughs> yeah, there's. I was saying to Greg on our walk over to the concourse that <laughs> Greg made the point that Bill Belichick on the riser with his his grand 
with his uh, grandchild. Uh, granddaughter. You know, granddaughter. It was like, you know, he's never been happier. I've never seen him so happy. It was like, that's a trope we've heard so many times. <laughs> you know, Tom Brady, you know, he's happy. He's having fun this year at the Super Bowl. Bill Belichick, you know, he's smiling a little bit this year. You know, I've heard all, we've run out of things and angles with this team. Will you just let it let us go? The, the, Will you let us start the a new Gatorade, in the, NFL? the Gatorade. Well, what are we supposed to talk about? The Gatorade bath and the and first of all, the granddaughter Someone was a, was a new twist. Never had a that is a new he, twist. He was never carrying something. Turning I mean, it, it really you know what a joke. It, it humanized him. Uh, and then well, no, the, there was a moment I was thinking of before that. I don't know if it was on camera, but uh, I was looking at it through the binoculars with him and Gronk, where they were sort of like giddy and jumping up and i've never i've never seen belichick well there was also up. a moment where uh the smile was not on his face when after the pregame <laughs> the celebrations were beginning a cameraman tried to get up into belichick's yeah. grill and take a photo and belichick like took a step forward grabbed him basically and shoved him back and they showed it up on the, one of these huge screens here and it was like i realized at that point that bill belichick is not a weak person he had he showed like superhuman, scary-type strength a for a second there. He's a bully and he's well, a mean guy. And you know what I would have loved? If he would have been taken into police custody tonight. That would have been a great story for the morning. In a few more the, years, it's going to be Brady with his granddaughter after the game. Like, post-game interview. <laughs> and he's got his great-granddaughter <laughs> and then his great-great-great-granddaughter. It's like Bill Belichick, who's 175 today. I mean, what is going on here? But, I mean, you can't push a guy down. That's assault, brother. It's Fontes Burfix move. You're right. And speaking of which, Pat Patriot on the field doing jumping jacks and cartwheels and running around to the confetti. What a phony. That guy could be sued. Oh my god. Are you this certain are you ridiculous. certain that it's not sued. a different human you know, being playing? Some professionalism Pat here, Daniel. No. Pat pa- you know, it's like four days ago we're told he's an ICU and now he's dancing around on the field. Well, there's two of them. There's there's a few of them. Please. Anyway, so where this is getting dark. <laughs> I hope my voice lasts <laughs> the rest of the show. Um, so, 3-3. Three, three, and, Greg, here we go. This is where it all changes. The patch, the patch, You know the Pats. Here we are in the fourth quarter. It's 3-3. Three, three, and we have never had a game with this low a score entering the fourth quarter. But you just knew the way the game was moving. And this is kind of goes back, I guess, why I'm not so annoyed. And well, I, obviously I'm annoyed. But I'm not devastated right now is that you kind of knew where the game was heading because Goff was playing so poorly and the Rams offense looked so lost. But And you knew, you knew Brady had one big drive in him. And I thought it was fitting that the drive began with a big play by Gronk and the biggest play preceding the touchdown was also to Gronk uh, that put him right at the doorstep uh, at the goal line. Let's hear that, Ricky. Shotgun snap to Brady, dropping back, lobs a throw for Gronkowski, left side, makes the catch over two defenders, tumbling to the two, first and goal to go. I just told you they're going to bleed him. He's going to take, he's going to dunk you, he's going to set you up. The Rams, they can't line up. Brady sees it, and it's a 29-yard strike to the big boy, his favorite tight end, the all-world tight end. What a catch. During... During that sequence, you know, during the game, actually, there were a couple of instances where I just thought it's got to be so cool to be Tom Brady. No one else has these little moments where, like, America the Beautiful is playing up on the screen and it was great rendition. And they, you know, his face pops up and the whole whole crowd just erupts with like. I bet you stay silent and respect the country in that spot. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, 
Brady chant. Like they were. Oh yeah. The Patriots slanted crowd is trying to like conjure up offense because at this point it's getting a little uncomfortable for everybody watching. They did it to start that drive. They chanted Brady before even the like first right play of that drive. Right when he came onto the field, they started chanting his name, and then they do it did it again during the drive. And it was like, what a cool mm-hmm. moment to be that guy. In that that play, <laughs> it was. One of Gronk's all-time plays, it reminded me of the drive he had against the Broncos that ultimately, you know, fell short in the 2015 AFC Championship. But you've mentioned this week kind of what does this game mean for the the Patriots? They, You know, there's not as much pressure because they, you know, they've been here. They've lost. Like, this game means so much for Gronk. I think it means a lot for the Patriots, period, like any championship does. But to have that moment, who I think is the greatest tight end of all time, doesn't matter if he retires right now to make one of those catches where ultimately, yeah, they saw something before the snap, but there were three guys in coverage by the end of that play for him to be as physical in how he plays, but also to be able to adjust to ball passes in the air. So dexterously like in his hands are as good as anyone in the league. And to go after that ball when there's three defensive backs around him, no one else is doing that. And he's done that in so many big spots and it put the exclamation point on the greatest career I, th- I think any tight ends have in terms of dominance. And it also gives him three titles. And so I think that's kind of important because to me there's two eras of the Patriots. There's the first one, which is defense, and then the, the second era, which is Gronk. And th- I think he's the key part of the second one other than Brady. And, and to go back to the coaching on New England, Gronk talked after the game about the fact that they dialed up that play. Not too much. A few plays earlier they tried it. And Brady just didn't see him. And McDaniels knew that and said, this time around, take a look for him and you're going to get him. And it was a great play. It was five plays, 69 yards. Gronk had the two longest gainers. There was an Edelman uh, first down catch in there. So, of course, Edelman was involved with it. And uh, it was a drive that summed up the whole Patriots playoffs because the man who ends it is the guy that set the postseason record with his sixth score of the playoffs. From the eye, Michelle the tailback behind Devlin. Brady under center, gives to Michelle, runs it left, a dive to the end zone. Touchdown, Patriots! Michelle for six. That's the offense I know. That's the offense we love. I told you, it could be three strange quarters, and we haven't seen this quarterback play in a while. But it's fourth quarter, and it's money time for the greatest guy to ever suit it up. You know, can I say one thing? <laughs> when we're here, and I, I had a very open mind to this, and I was—I can't help sometimes then but to root for Tom Brady when you're here in the moment. I don't know what it is, but well, you, lock, some, you locked him up too. There is that. But oh, congrats! <laughs> thank you, Wes. It's, I was not gonna—I was not gonna. I mean, bring we'll bring it up, up eventually. I'm yeah. sure. I, yeah. Well, there are a lot of sad Rams fans. One of them lives with you, Wes, so that's not going to be easy. But the minute I hear Zolak's voice, I start to feel irritated. That kind of brings it back to where (laughs) it needs to be. Because I know what you're saying, too. Like, uh, even I feel kind of lucky to to be at these games because Brady, 50 years from now, is going to be known as like a Johnny Unitas level uh, all-time great. And we were there for all of it. You know, at least the second part, the Gronk era, as Greg puts it. Uh, So I, I get that. And I think... You know, it's it's incredible to me that he is never going to have the game in the Super Bowl, and he's been in what? How many of them now? Nine. Yeah. He's never just going to have one where he just stinks, and he has a bad game, and it's just well, it wasn't his year. <laughs> Even in this game, which is a weird game where he could never get things going, he was going to have the drive in him, 
And like I said, it felt inevitable, and he delivered it. And that's when I knew it was 10-3, seven minutes to play. Then the pressure goes back to the kid on the other side, and you're thinking to yourself, does he have something big in him? And it didn't feel like it was in the cards. It, it didn't. It didn't. I agree with you. I, I, it, I didn't think the game was over, but it was uncanny. Like when he needed the – he did it at the moment they tied the game. Much like in the first Super Bowl against the Rams, he he didn't do much that game, but he did it in the moment that they tied the game. I mean, they, he's 6-3, and three, or the team is 6-3 and three in Super Bowls during the Brady era. But in two of them, he had game-winning drives, and, the, and then they lost. the defense lost the game. I mean, it's unreal how often he delivered in those spots. So the Rams take over after a touchback. Uh, like I said, seven minutes to play, down 10-3, and they start moving the ball. And uh, enough, I'm sure, Greg, where your P-scale then is it's got to be eight and a half when they cross over midfield. It felt like they were heating up no, a little, I mean, just it, a little. It was back to like six at that point. It was eight or nine for most of the game, but that touchdown was such a relief. It was like, you know, it was like, Greg, get Wes, it out. You were next to Greg the entire game. As you said, it was the most nervous you've ever Stop. seen him. Where was he? After that score, <laughs> all of these claims by Greg about the P scale, you have to put like a Greg filter on it because he claims never to be like nervous about right, anything. Nothing matters. All that. When he no. says he was like at a six at one point. No, he was, he never dropped below nine well, all, all through the game. I, he was very I, quiet. I, I did catch. He wasn't, wasn't quiet. A lot I was right next to him. Oh, he was, was chattering to you a lot. He had running comment with himself going on the whole game because that's how nervous <laughs> I was he talking was. To you. I was trying to talk to you. It, <laughs> hey, uh, independent observer. Uh, MJ Acosta, great uh, reporter for NFL Network, sitting between Mark and I, said, "Hey, you're you're not as yeah." Because I was joking to her about how I'm a Pats fan and I was nervous. She's like, "You're not as nervous as Mark. You don't seem as nervous as Mark." So hey, we, as you know, me, yeah. She thought you were. She thought you were a big Pats fan and were feeling the feel the heat. <laughs> you always look a little nervous. It was the lock. Mark, it was the lock. So it must have been that. It was the lock. I think that's when I was listening to the Spanish broadcast on my ear. I don't know. <laughs> Let's pause one more time to hear from our sponsor. Remote controls. <laughs> They're confusing, right? You're old. It's, uh, it's just tough. Get your remote control clutter cleaned up with Control Center by Cavo. It simplifies your home theater so you can control everything connected to your TV. Stop wasting your time, you bums. Fiddling around with different remotes, you just look like a hack. One universal voice remote control controls it all. Say what you want to watch and let Control Center handle the rest. Let Control Center take your at-home experience from stressful to simple. I'm, I'm using it. I'm making my life easy. Uh, it makes me a hero with my children to just be such a wizard. Shop now. You can get 40% off Control Center with promo, promo code AROUND. That's promo code around 5995, 40% off regular pricing of 99.95. Control Center is available at caabo.com and Best Buy. Don't blow this. Control Center by Cavo, one remote that does it all. So, yes, uh, despite the Rams offense and, and the boy genius Sean McVay struggling so much, they started moving the ball. Brandon Cooks for 19 yards. Uh, and then they get uh, Goff to Josh Reynolds for 11. Then he hits Robert Woods for 17, and they're cooking, and then it falls apart. First and 10 at the 27. I didn't realize they got that far down. Uh, Jared Goff drops back. He's got Brandon Cooks, Stephon Gilmore in coverage. Cooks has a step and can't hold on to the ball. And you could, and Cooks had a really nice game statistically. There was some garbage yardage at the end, but he made some plays in that game, but that is a catch. In the Super Bowl that you're remembered by, if you could pull it in, mm -hmm. I, me and my dad were watching 
some games on YouTube, old Super Bowls on YouTube this weekend. One of the games we checked out was the Steelers-Cardinals game where Santonio Holmes and Larry Fitzgerald put on one of the more epic one-on-one showdowns when they were never on the field together that you'll ever see. In this game, that's how you're remembered forever when you make catches. Cooks couldn't do it. And then of the very next play, Jared Goff, who had felt pressure all game, got pressure one more time on a blitz and made the worst throw of his life. Now Goff with three to the left, takes the snap, Harmon on a blitz, Goff throws it to the right, Gilmore's there, intercepted at the four! Harmon forced the pick, and Gilmore comes up with it! His second of the postseason, and possession of the Patriots! What a call by Brian Flores, pressure on number 16! You knew the kid was going to crack, and he did there, and what a play by Gilmore! Let's go! It was another one of these plays from where we were sitting, it was an awful throw, and you saw the result before it even left his hands. I just think he, the Patriots put so much pressure on him from wire to wire. There was never a moment where Goff felt like he was in the flow of the game or had any confidence at all. And I think that does tie back to an inability to adjust between coach and quarterback and the rest of the offense. Reminded me a lot of, of the first half of their game against the Saints, you know, at by the end of the game, I was surprised how many people thought Goff outplayed Breeze because for an entire half, he looked lost in that game, and it happened for the, like, four quarters in this game. You can't – to me, that would leave a bad aftertaste in my mouth as a Rams fan. Absolutely. That Jared Goff, yep. like, did not play well from November on. Well, he didn't adjust. He didn't – he never had a, a feel of what was going to happen, and – and I, the whole game, I was waiting for a defensive turn. I was waiting for a turnover, a touchdown, because you felt like it was going to come. Like, it, hey, if Brady's not going to do it, the, the defense is going to make the big play. Brady ended up getting in the end zone first, but they finally did it here. I mean, he dropped back 38 times, uh, I guess more if you include the sack. 14 hurries, five QB hits, four sacks. And I, the thing I loved is the Patriots stayed aggressive the whole time. They didn't try to change it up. You know, they they kept coming after him, even in that drive where they were starting to make some hay. They, they kept putting pressure on him, expecting him to make a mistake. And Stephon Gilmore, who had an all-pro season, uh, fittingly, is the guy that did it. And, yes, Danny, I enjoyed that Brandon Cooks came up a little small in this game. I don't care about those stats. You got to let that go, dude. He seems like a nice guy. Okay. okay. And he's been a really productive <laughs> pro. And been on our show. He did not wait. There was some real hitting early in that game. and He, he was not getting the yak. He was kind of... He, he was staying away from those hits. That's all I'm See, saying. See, I don't care if they won the Super Bowl. He should still be on this team. I don't think it was a great move to trade him. And you, you, you why don't you just take why, the L and move on? Okay. I don't understand why I mean, Cook, Brandon Cooks has to be taking heat from you here. You know. have everything else you could ever want in this world. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> you want to take him down with you. Um, all right. So that was the killer because now there's four minutes to go. And the Rams defense, West, which to – they weren't on the field as much in the second half, so it didn't become like a Super Bowl 51 Falcon situation where the D was just gassed, but they let down because the Pats tried to run out the clock. They were looking to get maybe 10 yards or 11 yards on three plays, and they started gashing them uh, with runs, and uh, that was now the, the Rams were on the ropes. I do think the Rams' defense is going to be overlooked for how well they played in this game. With, with the exception of not being able to cover, cover Julian Edelman, and not been able to stop the Patriots' clock-killing drive late, the runs that they had. It was, a, it was an incredible game by their defense. Can we, can we say that Aaron Donald came up a little small in this game? He had one solo tackle, one QB hit. We talked about it all week that 
Aaron Donald needed to be a, four, a, a wrecking ball in this game. Todd Gurley had to be Todd Gurley. Neither of those things happened. Mm. It was a quiet game by Donald. but He couldn't be quiet. They needed him. He they, didn't come through. Well, I I don't think. I felt like he was getting pressure. Yeah, he, he made a couple of plays, but I guess I don't agree with that because ultimately they the Patriots had 11 drives and they scored 13 points. So I don't care. Like, however you added that all up, that was maybe the best defensive performance by the Rams all season and one of the best defensive performances uh, against the Patriots all season and certainly in a Super Bowl. So it's like it, it wasn't Donald, but what you know, what more could he ask? This this needed to be an offensive team and the offense completely blew it. And I think they got a championship level defense uh, as a group from Wade Phillips. If team. you knew, hey, we are going to keep. Tom Brady and the Patriots to 13 points. Right. All your job is, Jared Goff and friends, is to score 14 points. You would think you would be the Rams fans, even if there's only 50 of them here. You would roll in dancing. You got it. Oh, that's fair. To Dan's point, though, they started the game kind of running right at Donald. And that's not what they did in this last drive. But if you're going to fault the Rams defense for anything, they knew the Patriots were going to run. On second down there, it's on the five-yard line. I'm, I'm chattering. Stay aggressive. Keep throwing the ball. You know, don't just like run into a line and t- punt it over. And that's when you claim to be at a six on your right. Scale. I, you know, and I'm an idiot because they did keep running, just like they have been really at the end of the season. They were able to run on so many teams: the Chiefs, Chargers, Rams, it, you know, Bills, Jets. When the other team knew it was coming, it was over Trent Brown, it was over Marcus Cannon, and like that was kind of the the name. Well, I was sitting when, so sitting near Greg, like there was a moment when Sony Michelle blasted for the the initial first down on that game ceiling drive. The biggest run of the where game. I just I just was like, it's game over. Greg this thing just, is over. Did Greg let out like an erotic moan. No, I looked over and I just saw Mark going like, uh, you Mark know, just like doing the slash sign, and I was just like, you know what, buddy, I agree with you. Way to be on but team, it wasn't team over. Patriot once it again. It wasn't over. <laughs> that was well. I mean, fourth and it's one. Slightly yeah. obnoxious with the Patriots love now. <laughs> fourth and one. Inches, literally, maybe an inch and a half from the twenty-four yard line with a minute twelve to go. Still, just a seven-point game, one-score game, and Belichick has a, a decision to make: Is he going to sneak it against Aaron Donald and company, or hand the ball off, or call a pass play? Or does he bring out the kicker, Steven Gostowski, who's, you know, had some issues in the Super Bowl the last couple of years. They decided to go with the kick. If he makes it, the game's over. If he misses it, the Rams have a shot. And this is what happened. Turns toward Cardona in a 10-3 Patriots lead. Extends the hand, receives the snap. Swing of the right leg. Kick driven to the uprights. And the kick is good. Ball game. Two-possession game. No chip shot, sir. That is no chip shot. I mean, 41 is close to a chip shot, but whatever. He snuck it inside the left upright. That was 13-3, and that was the uh, final uh, margin in this game. The Patriots, title number six. You can't even give a kicker some love. I mean, that's your guy. That's a big moment. This is this is a kicker uh, who's not na- in love with him as a kicker. He's now been so. in as many Super Bowls <laughs> as uh, anyone in Super Bowl history, except for Tom Brady. Well, is it because of him? No, but uh, like Adam Vinatieri, <laughs> you don't remember. You don't ultimately the ones they missed. You know, Vinatieri missed some in the Super Bowl too, but he deserves credit for getting I the knew one. Adam Vinatieri, you sir are no Adam Vinatieri. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. And it was, by the way, very awkward. He was a good man. They had an interview in nice the stadium. Nice Dan Quayle in the moment there Dan. <laughs> with Adam Vinatieri yeah. in the middle of the third quarter, I believe, or even fourth quarter. 
like Scott Hansen, you know, while Tom Brady's trying to like call plays in the huddle during a commercial break, Scott Hansen is asking Adam Vinatieri about like, how great is it that you started this dynasty? And I'm thinking like, is anyone on the Patriots sideline and Tom Brady going like effing nuts that this is happening like in the middle of the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl? This also came minutes after they had Trey Burton on the field. Walk the Patriots fans through the Philly special as if that's going to be a crowd pleasing moment here. (laughs) I kept on waiting. There's one issue with this beautiful stadium. And again, Jets and Giants start over, take the L and get to work. But the one problem I did have is the Wi-Fi. Not great. And I was wondering if the Scott Hansen Wi-Fi would quit out at some point and he'd stutter over a word or his smile would like drift away for a a moment. (laughs) But no, it was it was a typical classic in-house Super Bowl performance from Hanson, unshakable, almost inhuman. Great job, Scott. <laughs> Dan's voice is so close to not performing. At, it's like I, I really am starting to worry about you your You will health. not see me for the next no. four to five days or weeks. It's like going you're like the new like Puxatani Phil. It's like if the Patriots <laughs> win the Super Bowl, you don't see Dan for six weeks. <laughs> That's true. Um, final thoughts on the game, Greg. Oh, no, actually, Erica, Greg, we've heard enough from you. Erica, we'd love to hear from you. This time last year, I wouldn't say it was something I was happy to see because I don't like to see you upset. Yeah. But you were laying on the, a concourse <laughs> floor sobbing uh, over the Eagles' victory. Uh, this ho-hum, vaguely boring, uh, least entertaining Super Bowl oh, many years. stop it. Um, how are you feeling after? <laughs> I feel like a million bucks. I don't really have a voice left. Um, during the national anthem, they zoomed in on Goff, and he had his hand on his heart, and he was tapping his fingers on his heart. Yeah, and he, he looked a little freaked out. And I, would, shook I was right sitting up there. I was sitting up there looking at, it, and I go, "Look at his hand shake. Look at his hand shake." <laughs> that's a good. Uh, and we, good I was so excited. And then I'm reading on the board that we lost the coin toss the last the five times that we've won the Super Bowl, and the two that we won, we lost. And then when we <laughs> lost the coin toss, or we like got the kickoff, I literally was <laughs> what doing. What about Patriots car- in white jerseys at the Super Bowl? We freaking won. Yeah, we're in them. white. Yeah. It doesn't matter. We weren't going to lose again. And it was when I was watching Goff okay. sweating it out, and it felt great. It what, felt great. what was the uh, – take me through the end of the game, uh, what happened after the end of the game, the, towards the end and then the end. Eric when he, when he made when he made that field goal, and it was a two – it was a two sort of, you know, conversion – um, two, two, two point. Score yeah, I'm, two I don't even it's know. It's been a long week. It's been you. it's been a terrible week for all of us. And when he made that, and I knew it was a two score, you know, possession deal. Two score game. Yeah. Two it was a two. It's score, a two score game, Zampo. Whatever it was, whatever it was, I knew that they were gonna come up short, and I knew it when he hit that. We were celebrating. We were. Th- I had like, oh my god, I was screaming. I knew. I knew. Did you cry? Did you cry? I did cry. How do you celebrate tonight when this is over? Well, I'm here. You have this to is my that's celebration. Its own little do celebration. The, do the right? podcast. Producing yeah. our show. Yeah, yeah. Did you embarrass the NFL in any way with your interactions? Nope, I didn't. I wore my sweatshirt, and I'm wearing an NFL t-shirt, but under it, I have a Tom Brady t-shirt on. But I didn't take it off. I didn't take my shirt off. Hey. Well, that's good. First you know who did everything. take their shirt off? Adam Levine. I did. I you, saw that. You know, we we talk about uh, performance enhancing drugs. Yeah. And uh, and maybe that's why they canceled the press conference. Yeah. Uh, for room he five. looked bulked. He looked like he might have been, you know. Yeah. On he, the cycle. 
yeah. a little bit. He used I to, mean, he may have worked out no, a lot, No, no, no. He's like a big it's, yoga guy. You don't get a body like that from yoga. He's, he, he's never been that big. Mm. And, and then we had two nipples out, too. And it's like, well, you know, we've got, I guess we've come a long way since Janet. Yeah, but no one was really freaking out. Were they? I mean, was I wasn't any, really on Twitter. What did you Twitter, think of the halftime show? I thought it was fine. It was good. It was great. Love it. Was, it. The it bar was, was so low that... It, it was easy. It was, to nothing could have. I was. I was literally like in in tears last year seeing Justin. And it was like I was so happy for him that he got that you know moment again. That this year I was just like chilling. You know. I would equate that performance with Jared Goff's. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Erica, uh, as much as I hate the Patriots, I do. I'm happy for you. Thank you. Yeah. Like, it, I don't know. It, I'm not so happy. For I don't really. No, I, don't, I, know, I know hey, Dan, you're not. I don't really care. Dan had to sit far away care. from me because he didn't want the risk of me being too No, happy. I do that for your benefit as okay, well. That's you don't want to be. That's, that's true. But, uh, rooting against your team. I mean, I would, I'm sure I would feel the same in, if I if the situation Oh, yeah. That reminds me. Your buddy, Matt, who's a Jets fan that we got drinks with earlier this week, you made a comment that was so telling, such a lot of magnifico. That Matt is one of your closest friends. You've known me for a long time. You know how much I care about the Jets. You said it, you would you would be totally cool. In fact, you would love for the Jets not to go to one Super Bowl in fifty years. <laughs> well, I said I, like, I also said if you? they lose this one, I well, said it's up to the Patriots a getting a, a six. You they go nine in eighteen years and win six. <laughs> and me and get, your buddy Matt and my dad, one. by the way, can't go, get one. In the next 50 years, after me, 0 for 38 already. But you rooted against the Patriots in every single one. And, you, and I talked to your dad small. and rooted against It's a against little them. evil, Greg. Just there's a little tiny, little tiny drip drop of evil in that's there. That's their that biggest comment. rival. This is, we shouldn't be talking about the Patriots. Right. Yeah, but I just think that's like BS. Because if the Browns were in, I would be full-fledged like yes. killing myself I, for the Browns. Or if the Jets were in, I would literally be I, giving my entire soul I, to if, have them win for you. If they I got know, here, I would, I would. Wow, so we just, you're a better person than Greg? Is that what we just Yeah. Did? Well, obviously. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, final thoughts. I'd love mm. to hear your final thought, Wes. If you have one. Uh, it's also very it's, late. Uh, yes. I, I think seeing the greatest of all time throwing to the greatest of all time at a different position on the game-winning drive, is, it saved the game for me. Like, it finally gave me something to appreciate from the game. Hmm. And seeing Tom Brady and Gronk making magic maybe for the final time. Yeah. That I was think fun. That, that would be my final thought. That it certainly, in it, and social media will say the same thing, and people will write about this tomorrow, that this was a quote-unquote boring Super Bowl. And I, it might have been, especially if you're on your couch at home. But in the building, there was a lot of tension. Uh, it was a close game until the very end in terms of a one-possession game uh, until the very end. So it wasn't, to me, one of those laughers, especially when we were growing up in the 80s and early 90s. I mean, people that are younger don't realize what a bad Super Bowl is. Right. Not at uh, all. So they call this one a bad one. No, 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 no. We're talking Jerry Rice having like six touchdowns at the end of the second quarter back in 89 and 55-10 and 49-7 and 35-3. I mean, that used to be the norm. So, yes, this is probably the worst in terms of entertainment value Patriots Super Bowl in the Brady era, but it still wasn't a terrible game. I would say one thing. My takeaway would be Rams-related, that we we all were together when the Seahawks detonated the Broncos. And you wondered, you know, they had an aging Peyton Manning, and they had a lot of talent, but would they ever get back? And I didn't know if they would. Two years later, the Broncos went, and a lot of people thought they would not beat the Panthers, and, and they pulled it off. It just that this Rams story is not over. It's going to be a really... It's going to be an interesting offseason because last offseason, the Rams were gushed over for months and months. Today, they were exposed. 
but this, but there's a lot more progress and reason for hope in the Rams than reason to tear them apart and think it's over. After 55-51, I believe that was the final score, it, it, it felt like anything less than the Super Bowl would be a disappointment. You made the Super Bowl, but it's crushing because you have older guys. You, the roster, you can't keep it together for long, uh, but they'll, they'll have another chance. They're not, they're not done. Greg? No, I don't, I don't think they're done. My, my takeaway is just Bill Belichick. Like, what an incredible thing that he's built, that he's achieved, that will be told as long as there is an NFL. I mean, Vince Lombardi's got his name on the trophy. He's not taking that. But there's never been a figure in NFL history that's done anything like what Bill Belichick has done since Vince Lombardi. And and this is a couple of Super Bowls now that, that really weren't about Tom Brady, that were about the team, that was about special teams and linebackers and punting and the running game and the offensive line, adjusting late in the season and finding your identity and kind of taking all these veterans and getting them going at the right time. And it, it I, he's my favorite sports figure in any sport. And it to me, this was such just a crowning Belichick moment because, you know, what's hey, what's the difference between six and like five and six? I, I think it is a difference because – this was improbable. Brady's 41 years old. You know, they've won three out of five a decade plus after they won three out of four. That's just, it's just kind of insane. And if Gronk, um, you know, is retiring on such a high note uh, as the greatest of all time, that's kind of the, the cherry on the Sunday, just like uh, the Rainmaker retiring on a high note for him. Finally, he got all that money back. You stuck with the Rainmaker, and uh, you put all your chips in the table, and uh, now you're going to a, a Hawaii and an island forever. Is that the first? <laughs> is it true that that's the first time that the Rainmaker has predicted a game right all year? <laughs> sounds right. Uh, we got two out of the first three, and oh. then it was a long. That was 2018, rough, though. This is 2019. It's true, but Joe, everything is just Greg and his friends with the Patriots <laughs> having a great life, and we're here to entertain him. Well, that's it. Good job, guys. Great season. Nice job on the locks, uh, Mark. Uh, Big win, Mark. That's two years in a row. You, we tied last year. This year, you have it all to yourself. So you've, you're starting a little dynasty yourself. I think the rainmaker's sitting right over here. <laughs> oh, look at yeah. that. Ouch. That's fine. Burn. All right, we will be back. One eighteen a.m. Burn. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday uh, with another show. We'll do some more Super Bowl talk, but also spinning forward now is. It goes on and on, Mark. The season is not over for us. Yeah, nice season, but it continues on week after week, three shows a week from now until, you know, the end of days. Uh, so we're going nowhere. Point, are, are, have we done the show long enough where we should just start eh, just subtly mailing it in a little bit? Like just, <laughs> Start to? Just like, try like <laughs> well, I mean, we're doing all these shows. Oh, no, so. maybe like a little less grind, well, grind this, this, aspect this, to this it. Next week, we, we could be asleep We right do now. just do one show there was next some mailing week, in, and, then uh, it, and then it comes back. There was some mailing in this week I, uh, when we were on the stage at Piccadilly, at, not Piccadilly, at Centennial Park. <laughs> we did the best we could. That, there was some mailing in uh, at certain points this week, for sure. So I maybe think it I, has begun. You're right. I, I think we would need next time we do something like that um, to, to put a little more pre-thought into how it's going to operate because we were maybe caught a little by, by surprise. But this is our first show uh, since the live show. I know that everyone listened to it, but sure. uh, that that was the opposite of that, and we thank everyone. No, it was another great. That was there for making that like an unbelievable experience that we're going to keep doing. The NFL season, which is over, the 2018 season, started with our trip to London 
uh, uh, which led into the the kickoff game, of course. The uh, week three Browns win over the Jets. Right. Uh, one part of the year. Seven wins and another losing season for Cleveland. Um, and it ended with uh, another Super Bowl win and another trip to with the Super Bowl for our show. So a great, successful season. Thank you for listening. And uh, we will see you on Thursday. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, Ricky, Hollywood behind the glass. Signing off. There's confetti everywhere, folks. Another season in the books. Till Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.